0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, who are the Lord of heaven, the creator of all things, visible and invisible, we look to you and to you alone. You do not share your glory with any other. We seek you. We wait upon you. We are guided by your Holy Spirit. We call upon the name of Jesus. By his precious blood, we are saved and made whole. We thank you for the full and complete revelation of Scripture that needs nothing added to it and indeed nothing to be subtracted from it. But we thank you for the revelation in your word of the ministering spirits of God, the angels of God who are sent forth to do your will and your bidding and at times to minister to us your people. Open our hearts, open our minds and give us strength tonight. Give us wisdom so that the word will be precise to our need in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to read the whole of Hebrews chapter 1, which uh, is a Wonderful introduction to the subject. It says so much. And I remind myself and let you know that my objective tonight is, is not to try and give you a full exposition of who angels are, how they operate, and everything like that. That, that would be a, a long Bible study. I encourage you to do some research. Maybe another time we'll come back to it. Go to Bible.org and look up Doctrine of Angels or the Ministry of Angels. It's pretty sound teaching on this and um, but my objective tonight is to focus on one aspect of the ministry of angels and it's found in the last verse that i'm about to read hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 long ago at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They'll all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand." until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, I think that passage speaks for itself. It shows that we don't wait on angels, we wait on God. We don't seek angels, we seek God. But in seeking God and, and God working in our lives, there are ministering spirits, the angels of God, the ones that remained pure, the ones that did not rebel. And God, according to his will, his plan and purpose, ministers to us through them. Briefly, who who are the angels? Well, they are spirits, spiritual beings. That means they do not have physical bodies like us, but they, I'm sure, have form and certainly can appear to us and become visible, and at times it seems that they can appear in human form, at least look just like us and quite ordinary. Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, many times... We have entertained angels unawares. And this is a secret to understand. They don't always announce themselves. They don't draw attention to themselves. They're there to serve God. All the Bible stories and, and testimonies say the angels come and they, and they go. That's it. They don't hang around because the focus is on God. They are created by God as part of God's spiritual creation. And that spiritual creation of these heavenly beings happened, it seemed to me, before the physical creation. Many Bible references bear that out. And uh, they, they seem to be created for the immediate presence of God, for the immediate pleasure of God. They are powerful, highly intelligent servants and ministers of God, created perfect and sinless and holy. But we do know that some followed Lucifer when Lucifer rebelled and became the devil, the adversary. Therefore there exists in the world good angels, those the Bible says are elect, the elect angels, and the evil angels, those who did not retain their estate but rebelled against God. And there seems therefore to be in a time of probation when the angels, given their free will, could choose to rebel And that time is over, and so now their destiny is fixed. I'm interested in this phrase, the elect angels. What is that about? Well, it it tells me this. You know, even in this rebellion, if if you can imagine it, those angels, if we can infer this from Scripture, one-third perhaps, that's a correct way of interpreting the scripture, one-third of the angels rebelled alongside with, with, with Lucifer. And you might say, what a catastrophe. Something has gone wrong in heaven. God maybe didn't get it all right, if that could happen. And so the human mind might begin to question and doubt God. But when we read this phrase, the elect angels, those were the ones who did not rebel, the, the elect means chosen, chosen by God, this tells me something very important. Even in that heavenly rebellion, which was the mother and father of all rebellions, because from then onwards, we have a totally different situation with Satan operating with his fallen angels whom the Bible calls demons or evil spirits. They're operating in the world, but even in that At that time, at that point, God was still in control. His throne wasn't, he wasn't dethroned. He remained on the throne so that even in that situation, in some way, too difficult for us to understand, I guess, but we have this assurance that even at that point, our God did not lose control. He is in control and working out his purposes in all things. Give him a mighty praise because that's a great thing. Well, these angels of God, I'm, I'm going to speak mainly now about the angels that did not fall, the glorious angels. The angels of God are the agents of God. The fallen angels are the agents of Satan, of course, servants of Satan. They are higher than human beings, but lower than God. Only God is eternal. The angels are not eternal. They, ha- they are immortal, which means they were created and now are immortal, but they're not eternal. They're not an equality with God in any kind of a way. And they are superior to us because we alongside humanity. For a little while, we have been made a little lower than the angels. But the time is coming when in the kingdom of Christ, we will judge angels. We are made in the image of God. Nowhere does it say the angels were made in the image of God. And that has a lot to do with God's plan for humanity. The image of God says a lot of things. It means a lot of things. One of the things that means central to it, it's about dominion. It's about rulership. The angels will not rule. We will rule and reign with Christ and we will judge angels, rule angels. Why do they exist? Very simply, because God chose to create them. They exist for God's pleasure. He willed it. And they are ministers of God. They minister for and on behalf of God. They worship Him, praise Him, display His glory, His worth, chiefly through worship and obedience. They are angels of agents of God ministering in heavenly places, in the high places, sent by God to resist Satan and his demonic kingdom. In many ways, they also keep Satan in check. And in the earthly realms, they minister over nations, intervene at times on behalf of God, and assist in the outworking of the plan of God's salvation. They are God's witnesses who watch God at work in His great plan of salvation. They are observers. The Bible says they desire to inquire to look at this amazing grace that operates. Imagine some of the angels having a conversation and saying, why does God put up with this one? No, I didn't mean to point you out, but put up with this one or that one or the other one. The angels, these are sinless. The fallen angels will not be redeemed. That's not part of God's plan. They're condemned forever. Hell and the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. But God is patient with us and he's doing something that is so amazing. We are witnesses of God's grace. God is going to display His grace through our lives and the angels are amazed. The word that is used for them, they long to look in. It's like bending over the portals of heaven to observe what's going on in amazement. So this is the amazing creation that God made. What is their role? To serve God. Simple. Simple but with a special focus on the saints of God, to serve those and minister to those who are being saved. I believe they're active all the time, but become more visible and apparent during great moments. And that's one of the main reasons why I want to talk about this, because it seems to me that very often, in times of heightened spirituality, or a time when God is moving and doing something new, He pleases very often in those times to allow us to see more at first hand and to know and to experience the ministry of angels. Now, uh, during the time that we spent in January and then at Easter and and last week, we been worshiping God together. Many, many times as I stood on this platform in those moments of really beautiful, heightened worship. And it's as if I could see in my mind's eye I'm not talking about a vision through, like, uh, you know, that I could see, actually see, but in my mind's eye, I could see this auditorium of ours just disappear into an expanse of hundreds of thousands of people. God's plan for the end times to bring in so many people. And right across, right where some of you are sitting, I could see in my mind's eye. You understand what I'm saying here? I could see as it were my mind's eye, the angels of God circling us, carrying little, like, golden packets of good stuff that God is going to do, that God has arranged for these days to pour out his gifts and his blessings into our lives. And I believe that some of you are going to experience very clear testimonies of angelic ministration and angelic visitation. There's a lot of provisos we have to make here, and I'll give some balance and some warnings about this towards the end so that we, we don't get too carried away with it. But at the same time, I believe that we are in this wonderful situation of becoming the subjects of angelic ministration in a more visible way than perhaps we normally realize. It's very important to know that these angels are not mediators. They're never to be worshipped. They don't draw attention to themselves. Even the revelation of Scripture. Every time in Scripture where an angel shows up, that is incidental to the main story. They are not the main story. They serve the main story. Also, because they are spirits, I'm sure that's a good reason why the Holy Spirit works with them. The Holy Spirit, who is not created, is not an angel, he is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will have an affinity with angels. And so sometimes we can see that God, he doesn't need agents at all, he could do it all without us, he could do it all without angels, but he chose to work through angels. Very often, and it's logical to think that God, who is Spirit, who works through His Holy Spirit, will also involve His spiritual creation in spiritual matters. Well, there's just a brief taster of an introduction to Bible teaching on angels, but tonight I want to focus on how do angels minister to us? How do they minister? Characteristically. First thing I want to say is that angels may be sent by God to provide you with protection and deliverance from harm. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 say, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Remember that whole passage says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then it goes on to say, he will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. In verse 12, on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Remember that is The scripture that the devil quoted to Jesus to say, throw yourself down from the temple. Um, And Jesus refused to do that because this doesn't mean to say that, you know, we can do what we like and go to all, all kinds of dangerous places and situations and tempt God. No. But it does show you that God can and does very often send angels to keep you safe. I I remember once I was much younger and much more foolish than than I am today we were ministering in Kenya and there were two of us who were traveling and we got there and um, there, there am I in Nairobi trying very hard to preserve church cash so we hired a car It was cheap, Um, very cheap, Um, too cheap. (laughs) I think it was fit for the scrapyard. I noticed that the tires were very threadbare. I feel very embarrassed telling this story because it was so foolish. We, we, We should never have done it. To drive in a dangerous car. Anyway, to make matters worse, when we got to our destination, they said, Well, now we're going to the other side of Kenya and we're going up the mountain. Up the mountains, crossing the Rift Valley mountain range, leaving at 11 o'clock at night on an eight hour journey in the pouring rain and the storm, with roads that need some form of ministry. (laughs) Slippery roads. I should never have gone. You understand me, I'm still feeling embarrassed, but I want to give glory to God. I got into that car, I was tired, pouring with rain. I also discovered later that the man who drove the car didn't have a license and had never had a lesson. I wouldn't do that now. I was a bit anxious, thunder, lightning, cars on the road, poor visibility. So I just said, you know, Lord, I commit this. I commit my hands, <laughs> my, my spirit into your hands, no, I, I said, Lord, I just, I just commit this to you. Tremendous peace came over me and I slept. We got to the destination, saw wonderful things happen in this other place, and the next day, or a couple of days later, drove back the same way. When we drove back through the, through the mountains, it's unbelievable. Trees in the middle of the road, lorries off the road, fallen down into the ravine. And I knew in that moment, can't prove it to you, but I knew in that moment that God had sent an angel to keep foolish Colin, who hopefully has learned his lesson, but glory to God. I think I'm here today because of God's deliverance at that time. Give Jesus praise. <laughs> now uh, there is a concept such as guardian angels and there is biblical evidence that, that God does give believers an angel to take care of us, in Matthew 18 verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father. This is the, one of the versions of the parable of the lost sheep, and, and rejoicing over the lost that was found, and, uh, and not to despise that because of the angels. There's some indications of that. But we know The New Testament has a lot of evidence showing how angels protect and rescue and deliver. In Acts chapter 12, verses 6 and onwards, we read about how Peter was put into prison and God busted him out. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and there were sentries before the door guarding the prison. See how precise that is. Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. Today, we'd probably just use our iPhones just to light up, but the they, they, angels did it for them. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly, can you imagine the surprise? And the, and the chains fell off his hands, supernaturally. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that was being done. what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't even know what was happening. He thought this was a dream or a vision. Verse 10, When they'd passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. Not one of those automatic doors that you get in front of hotels. It just opened supernaturally. Amazing story. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. You see, this is what happens. Characteristically, angels show up, we don't necessarily even are aware of what's happening and then they vanish. What? Who was that? And many of the angel stories that we read, let's not be too skeptical but also let's be discerning. You can't believe everything. <clears throat> some guidelines as to how we can be sure or more sure that some of the stories ring true. And, and this is one of them. The angel does not draw attention to himself. The uh, angel appears, disappears when the when job's done. And uh, so... Then it says, verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod from all that the Jewish people were expecting. A model statement. Read it carefully. Peter realizes that an angel had come and delivered him. Yes, but what does he say? Now I'm sure that the Lord has rescued me. The Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. So the glory or the attention does not go to the angel, but goes to God. Now in uh, that uh, reference I gave you earlier, Bible.org, there's a story which I think is interesting. And it's a veteran missionary who uh, uh, tells a story about a woman missionary alone in a compound in northern Africa during a, a riot by one of the local tribes. She hid in a closet and prayed as warriors advanced along the dusty road toward the houses. Amazingly, she never heard them. No one even entered the building and there was no evidence afterwards of any turmoil. What was discovered later that those warriors who marched on the missionary compound, their purpose was to kill everybody in that and burn it to the ground, instead They retreated from the compound because they saw it guarded by tall warriors dressed in white and carrying large swords. Angels? Sounds familiar. So that's one of the ways that God ministers to us through his angels. Another way is by giving us whatever strength or provision we need in the moment. Even Jesus... Experienced this ministry. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil? He had not eaten or drunk anything for 40 days. He was physically weak, and the devil tried to draw him into temptation by attacking him at the point of physical weakness make these stones bread. And he said, no, no, no. I'm going to live by the word of God, not your word. God will tell me when to eat, not you. And by the way, Jesus is not in the business of transforming physical things to satisfy his own needs. He's worshipping God. Anyway, Matthew 4, verse 11, at the end of the temptations, it says this, Then the devil left him, and behold angels came and were ministering to him I wonder how they ministered did they cook him a meal like the angel provided a meal for Elijah who went in the strength of that for 40 days or maybe this was a breakfast after 40 days maybe it was just physically ministering to Jesus giving him strength making provision. There are examples of supernatural provision. story of a lady called Sue Bolin, who speaks about what happened in 1944. She was the penniless wife of a pastor and evangelist. Hmm. I don't know why she was penniless. Because she was married to a pastor. I don't know, is that how some of, some of our wives feel? I don't, don't think so, but it was a difficult time. And she prayed. Her name was Susie. She prayed. She said, God, I need five pounds of potatoes, two pounds of pastry flour, apples, pears, a cauliflower, carrots, veal cutlets for Saturday, and beef for Sunday. I mean, don't just Try this and think it's going to work for you. <laughs> All right? But she just verbalized the shopping list. A few hours later, somebody knocked on the door and there was a young man carrying a basket who said, Mrs. Var, I'm bringing you what you asked for. It was precisely what she'd prayed for, down to the brand of pastry flour she wanted. The young man slipped away, even though Reverend Mrs. Ware watched. At the window to their building, the man never exited. He just disappeared. Possibly, possibly an example of angelic ministration, supernatural provision, such a time as that. Missionaries tell stories, uh, you know, it seems that this is one good reason why you should become a mystery missionary because they seem to have all the angel stories. So we'll have a a missionary appeal at the end of this. And then I'm going to talk about another aspect. And that is, in many ways, the main thing I want to focus on. And that is, angels are messengers. And very often, they announce a message from God. Both the Old Testament word malak and New Testament word angelos mean messengers. The angels are messengers. In other words, one of their key roles is to be used by God in delivering a message. And, and there are two major ways that this happened, which is why I read from Hebrews chapter 1. If you want to get into the Reasoning of Hebrews chapter 1, it is this. Hebrews is written to a community of Hebrew believers, people who were formerly Jewish, following um, uh, uh, the Jewish religion, and had converted to Christ, had found a lot of difficulty and opposition, and we're beginning to wonder, should we have done it? Maybe, we, maybe we've got it wrong. And the whole of the book of Hebrews is saying, no, you got it right. Comparing the old covenant and contrasting it with the new covenant, and the key word 13 times in the epistle is better, better, better. We are in a better covenant with better promises. And one of the things he appeals to off the bat here is the fact that the old covenant the law particularly, was delivered via the ministration of angels. And that therefore was its glory. The old covenant glory was ministered and delivered by the angels of God, the glorious angels of God. And of course Moses was the mediator, the the, the prophet of that, but it was accompanied by angels. And uh, so Now then, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, you think that's amazing. This is even better than the angels. This ministry of the new covenant is delivered in person by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the one who is greater than the angels, creator of all things, including the angels. This one, the angels worship. Then in chapter 2, it goes on to say, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, not by angels, but by the Lord, <clears throat> and it was attested to by us, the apostles. Uh, By those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So, in the Old Testament, the law, the Old Covenant, was accompanied by and delivered in many, many respects by angels. They were the postmen, they were God's delivery boys for that. But in the New Testament, it is slightly different. But the angels are still involved. You know, the angel declared the birth of John the Baptist. Angel declared to Mary. Read about it in Luke's Gospel. Gabriel sent to the city of Galilee and spoke to Mary. And you know what he said? Greetings, favor, on the Lord is with you. And then she'll say, Do not be afraid, you found favour with God. You'll conceive in your womb, bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. So the angels announce Christ. So they are there delivering the message, announcing the birth of Jesus and when Joseph was doubting, Matthew chapter 1 tells us about this, Moses, uh, sorry, uh, Joseph was doubting and, uh, and, and, and an angel spoke to him and said, No, 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 Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus for you to save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord was spoken by the prophet. So, angels are used in a definitive way to announce and in some way deliver the old covenant and to announce the new covenant, and so they are messengers. Now, what is interesting to know about this is that there's no more covenants. It's done and dusted. So, here's where people can start to go astray. They look for a new revelation or believe so a supposed angel giving a new revelation. All the cults, nearly all of the cults, have come about when people say, oh, an angel came, an angel came. False religions say an angel came. Some even name the angel Gabriel and say he said this, but he did not say that. It's a demon because it contradicts the word of God. So, at this particular point, I want to... Say to you how important it is not to mess with angels. I'm coming into a little bit of a, 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 a warning thing here, so 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 bear with me. Because in today's generation, there is a, an almost unbelievable emphasis on angels. I'm talking way outside the Christian faith. It's like this generation, which has been starved of the bread of life, which is thirsty for spiritual things, find it easy to turn to angels. Or very often it's demons disguising themselves as angels of light. And so let's, let's, let's guard against that. Let's see how we can be sure that we remain balanced and remain, have discernment and not get sidetracked. One of the reasons why I think it is so popular today for people who will openly deny the Lord Jesus Christ, but happily talk about message they received that morning from their angel is because they're thirsty for spirituality. God seems so remote. The Bible seems so difficult and demanding because a true word from God will confront you concerning your life's choices. A true prophet of God will speak according to the righteousness of God. But a generation that is looking for shortcut spirituality, for a kind of religion without Christ, without the cross, without the blood of Jesus, without the tests, without the moral challenges, and indeed, sadly, even without the promises of eternal life. Turn very easily to angels. Let's just mentioned some very important things. Just let me say, don't, don't ever mess with this topic. Angels are instruments of God's judgment. You know that. One angel dealt with 185,000 Syrian soldiers in the days of Hezekiah. Don't mess with them, all right? The book of Revelation shows how that angels will be instruments of God's judgment. End time judgments. Don't mess with them. And here's some of the ways that we can make sure we don't mess with them. Don't even think about worshipping an angel. Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. I, John, am one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them... I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, a friend of mine, his name is Grenville, prophet, he has had and experienced angelic visitations. And uh, one of the reasons why I believe him, and I know him to be a reputable person, but one of the reasons I believe him is because he finds it very difficult to talk about it. Some people say, oh, you know, on the way to KT this morning, I saw seven angels. It was fantastic. They were great fun. Don't believe that kind of story. Angels come from the very presence of God. They carry the atmosphere of heaven. And if you saw one in that way and found it easy to talk about it, you probably haven't seen one. Grenville said he was praying in his room. Atmosphere changed and he looked up and he saw a man in a long white garment. And he said, Grenville said, it was as if the atmosphere of heaven was carried along with this angel's presence. And Grenville immediately fell on his face and the angel said, don't do that. Grenville, I am a servant of God like you. Get up. That's interesting to me. Many other stories I could share which seem very convincing to me. Anyway, don't worship them. Don't even think about worshipping them. The book of Colossians verses 18 to 19 is a passage that speaks so much to our generation. Because there was a kind of heretical Christian teaching, Christianized teaching, syncretistic Jewish Christian mixed together Some a lot of paganism. And the basic idea was this. Christ is not enough for you. Yeah, it's wonderful. He he can be there. But you know, if you listen to us, we are listening to some angels who are giving us a better message. Yeah, Jesus is there as well. But this is a better message. and, And this is, he's not enough. And you need to hear these additional and alternative messages which were reportedly being delivered to them by angels, but not the angels of God. These were the fallen angels, the workers of darkness. These were the servants of the devil. These are demons. Verse 18, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by the sensuous mind, Not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. At this time, it seems that these angelic visitations, whether they were invented, the result of, I don't know, some kind of chemical stimulant, or what have you. Or whether they were actually demonic spirits who were feeding doctrines of demons into those people being drawn away from the pure message of the gospel. And very often, this it manifests by people who speak about mystical insights that come by way of visions and connections with the worship of angels. Easy to see that it's demonic because they were usurping the preeminence of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. The claim is he's not enough for salvation and spirituality. And you see Hebrews chapter 1 puts the record straight. So don't worship angels. I would also go on to say, don't ever try to contact them. Seek God, not angels. Wait on God, not angels. Don't try to contact them. Find out the name of your guardian angel, get to know them or seek them. None of that is allowable in Scripture because demons disguise as good angels, and people who don't know how to discern follow that so easily. Remember, there's no biblical injunction or precedent or encouragement to seek angels or to depend on them in this kind of direct way. And in 1 John chapter 4, here's this uh, passage that Paul Cain was talking last, about last week when he spoke about the uh, Mr. Blackburn. And if you don't know, if you weren't here last week, somebody will tell you or you just go online and find out what that story was. And in the midst of an appearance of Satan appearing in physical form to Paul Cain, that was his experience. He said he's never been able to talk about it publicly. This is the first time, apparently, he he did so. He remembered in the midst of all of that seduction and deceit. He remembered this test, and we're about to see it. 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. That is so important. Write that down. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You don't go around saying, "Okay, spirits, talk to me and I'll test you to see if you're from God. No, no, no. But there, there are doctrines of demons that are being presented all over the place and you need to be discerning Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Here's the test. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard was coming uh, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God, you have overcome them, for he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Uh, uh, We have to grow up and understand that and accept that, that they are spirits who speak from the world to the world and the world listens to them. Pray that God have mercy upon people. But there are those who will choose to listen to the doctrines of demons and will refuse to listen to the truth and simplicity that there is in Christ. Be patient, be loving, but there may come a time when you have to separate from such people because they refuse the truth. Verse six, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Not your opinions, but listen to the truth of the gospel that you convey to them. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, the testimony... Of the truth of the gospel, the word of God is the final test. False prophets are there to draw people away from Christ, the Christ of the Bible. Draw people away from the righteousness that's presented in scripture. Draw people away from the simplicity that is in Christ. To Try to add other doctrines, other ideas to kind of dilute the message. And false prophets nearly always say they got it from an angel. Even when they contradict the Bible. Remember, there is no new doctrine. Very important thing. The Bible says angels are messengers, not teachers. You see the difference? The Holy Spirit's the teacher. Angels are messengers. But anybody who says, I learnt this doctrine from an angel... Is listening to a lying spirit. Angels are not teachers. They are messengers. But because they are messengers, God can minister to you through them. And sometimes, the true prophetic word can be released and ignited set in motion by angelic ministration. You don't say, an angel said to me, the Spirit speaks. But there are times when we're in the company of angels and they release the gifts of the Spirit or seem somehow to be involved in the spiritual atmosphere that makes it all conducive to minister in the spirit. My friend Grenville was traveling to a place to minister and um, he got there and uh, he was greeted by a lot of excited people. He said, what's happening? He said, well, we also came early and there were several people, I can't remember personally how how many, but there were several people who were walking around the building and they said, hello, who are you? Oh, it's okay, we've just been sent to prepare this place so that Grenville can minister. Nobody had seen them before, didn't know who they were, but there was such a holy atmosphere and when they turned around, all those men had disappeared. Not to me. I can't verify it. How can you prove that false or, or, or whatever? You can't, how do, I don't know. But I just offer it to you. Because it rings true to me that they minister to us because we are heirs of salvation and these creatures of God, these spiritual beings... Are so powerful, so glorious, so strong, so wonderful, ministering to us, being sent from God to do so. Why are we so important? Well, of course, in and of ourselves we're not, but God's purpose in raising us up is to bring us into the kingdom of God. We will rule and reign with Christ, and we will be exalted in Christ, not in and of ourselves, in a position in the kingdom. Where those ministering spirits, we will govern them. That's the history of the the story of salvation. And this is because we're created in the image of God for a purpose which is far more glorious in Christ than anything in the angelic realm. That tells me why God at times will choose to use angels to minister to us. Amen? Amen. Amen.